I love that built into the Christian rhythm of seasons, by which I mean we have a season about Lent, which is rooted in this idea of lamenting that Christians think it matters to have a season of of grieving. There's a season of Easter and new life. There's a season of Pentecost and like fresh spirit. There's literally a season that we just call ordinary. Um, that for hundreds and hundreds of years, the way that Christians sometimes think about what we do is that it's just really plain um, and routine. That is also the longest season in the, in the Christian year. But I love that right now, we're in a season that's literally called epiphany. Think about that for a moment. Like all of the other seasons, it's rooted in a couple of Bible stories. The story of the Magi visiting Jesus. The story of Jesus' baptism. These are epiphany stories. They're stories of, uh, of realizations. Oh, wow. Aha moments. But nothing in the Christian year, in the Christian rhythm, is meant to stay at that surface level. Oh, this is about the Magi. There is an invitation for us to be surprised. And how poetic that we're here meeting in a new year, uh, a new decade. If you um, have seen any of the news, the United Methodist Church is going through changes. You know, it's a, I think it's a, it's a big deal when all of a sudden I see it on like the, my morning news that I watch. News of what, is going to change in the United Methodist Church. Uh, news of that broke so fast that most of us, I, I, the district superintendents, heard about it before we even got like press releases. Uh, seeing as this is the first Sunday of the month, we're going to have a pizza with the pastor gathering after this. We'll have some pizza. Uh, we'll hang out and we'll talk for a little bit. That'll be a great time if you have any questions, you want to talk about what's going on in the United Methodist Church. We've got a handful of resources. We can engage in a conversation about that. But I had already prepared a message about being surprised. And about being open to changes. And lo and behold. I find it interesting that we have this season called Epiphany. Right at the beginning of the church year. Because if I know anything about Christians and churches, it's that we love change. God, we love being surprised. We love it when things don't follow the right order of events. Oh, we love it so much. No. No. Not in no way. We want the like Christian season of frustration and order. Where's that Christian season where everything moves sequentially 
and in accord with how we need it to unfold. I've worked in churches for the last 10 years. Almost all of my work has had to do with the difficulties that surround change. And it's not just at an institutional level, what happens in this building or in our denomination. It's in your own lives. I often just smile at the irony of conversations where longtime church members find it difficult to talk about how their physical building, like this church, might change while they're also moving out of their longtime home. How we'll talk about, like, well, we can't get rid of this. And you're not sure if we're talking about the pews or the, like, hutch that your great-grandma gave you. You're like, well, where, where, where are we going to put it? And if you've been in that situation before, you know you've thought, like, well, my kids don't want to deal with it. And sometimes we think the same way about the church. Let them, let them deal with it. We don't like change. And yet, the most consistent thing that Jesus talks about, change. Think about the metaphors and the parables that Jesus uses. The way that Jesus talks about God, the way that God is existing among us. The way that Jesus talks about what the kingdom, by which Jesus means the, the reality of life with God, is like. He says it's like seeds growing. Things being buried down deep and then breaking forth. These are all about growth, development, change. And if it's not, it's about being surprised. Caught off guard. Letting go of what you thought you couldn't let go of. Time and time again, Jesus is subverting all of the comforts that we're starting with. And inviting us into a kingdom that is based on the reality of being able to live within these changes and surprises. And yet the church continues on. We don't like change much. I was talking with a friend who reminded me that the two most common things that church leaders talk about outside of the 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock window on a Sunday morning, attendance and money. What's our attendance like? What are our financials like? If you've ever served on like a church committee, whew, you know, you know, those are the, the pressing, pressing issues that we face. I'm talking with my friend and the thing that we're lamenting is that the church who is so deeply rooted in these metaphors, in these parables, in these teachings of Jesus about. Transformation is the thing I'm hooked on this morning. That I've been a part of churches my whole life and I rarely ever hear invitations or messages to be transformed. Uh, maybe to 
expand our conversation a little bit, I can offer two helpful words here. When the Bible talks about transformation, these like altogether consciousness altering moments or seasons, two words are often used. The first is the Greek word metanoia, metanoia, metanoia. It literally means beyond mind. When I think about the word metanoia, which is what's used for transformation, I think about the poem Just Beyond Yourself by David White. David White says, just beyond yourself. It's where you need to be. Just beyond yourself. Just beyond yourself. It's where you need to be. Half a step into self-forgetting. All of the things you think this is how it has to work. Just beyond yourself. It's where you need to be. Half a step into self-forgetting. And the rest, the rest of the movement, the rest of the step, restored by what you'll meet when you take that half step. Metanoia, transformation. I think of it as just taking the smallest step beyond yourself. Literally, again, in Greek, the word beyond your mind. Beyond the way that you think this is how it works, this is how things move, this is how things happen. In ancient Greek philosophy and in the Bible, when they talk about transformation, it's not a mutation. It's people that are able to go beyond themselves. Here's an interesting theology tidbit for you. I just nerd out on this, so I'm going to share it with you. Um, In the Bible, you know how the word uh, metanoia is translated in the New Testament? Repentance. Conjuring up those lovely images of bold, brave steps forward. Now we hear that word repentance, we think of what? Guilt, shame, sorrow, sinfulness. Think about the twist that this provides, though. Jesus Jesus is walking around saying, Behold, there is a new reality that we're entering into. The reigning kingdom of God. So repent. Which is the bad translation of metanoia. And should probably say something like, so take a step beyond yourself. If you want to be a part of what God is doing in this world, you're going to have to take even that half step. That changes the message significantly. In Greek philosophy, uh, metanoia always travels in company with something called kairos. If you were uh, with us uh, maybe a month ago, our friend uh, Rev Izzy Alvaran, who works for the Reconciling Ministries uh, with the United Methodist Church, Church, used this word multiple times, kairos, to describe a specific moment. Izzy would say it's, it's the God moment, it's God time. In talking about the United Methodist Church, he would say that, you know, when we look ahead at what's going to happen, this is not just the same old, same old, but it's an opportunity. It's a kairos moment. It literally means opportune moment, opportunity time. That it's different from all the other moments. The Greeks thought about time in two different ways. The first was chronos time. Chronos happens sequentially. One thing after the other. When you have a watch, it follows what? 
the chronos logic, right? That it, everything is in ordered and neat. But when the Greeks talked about the divine, the way that our lives change, the way that we are transformed, it rarely happens in that neat, sequential, chronos logic. It happens at the opportunity moment. Maybe the moment that you didn't expect. Maybe the moment that surprised you. The kairos moment. In Greek philosophy, these two gods, Kairos is a god, Metanoia is a goddess, and they travel together. And what is so striking about this partnership is that the goddess Metanoia, the goddess of transformation and change, is always cast as being somber. Because time and time again in the stories, when people are faced with the Kairos moment, when the God of opportunity comes to someone who thought that they could never get out of a situation, when they thought things could never change, when they thought, I'm too old for this, when the opportunity presented itself time and time again, people didn't take the step. And so Metanoia would move along with the God Kairos presenting more opportunities and lamenting the missed opportunity. Transformation. It's one thing to talk so eloquently about, oh boy, I would love to be changed. I'd love for the the things to feel vital. I'd love to be really supportive of new things. But it's another to know when you need to take that step. And I think that's what's at the basis of transformation. If you look at metanoia and kairos together, I think you see a fuller picture of what we mean by transformation in the ways of Jesus. That truly being transformed, altered, is taking the step Or the action when the moment presents itself. Transformation, let me say that again. Transformation is taking the step or even the half step. The metanoia beyond yourself, beyond your mind. When the kairos moment, when the opportunity moment presents itself to you. Friends, this has implications for our denomination. We are in a Kairos moment and we're being asked to take a step beyond what we think is familiar, beyond what we know, beyond our order. This has implications for our church here. We are in a season where we're asking each other if this is the moment that we've been called to take a step beyond ourselves. And I know it has implications for you. As you go on in your lives and experience the changes All that 2020 and truly a new decade could hold for you. Time will move sequentially. Chronologically. But I also believe in Kairos moments. I believe that there will be opportunities. 
I believe that there will be opportunities for you, for our church, for our neighborhood. And so I want you to know that as your pastor, the thing that I'm praying for in 2020, the thing that I'm working for, and I will work tirelessly for this, is not more money or rounding up a couple extra numbers of people. It's transformation. As a follower of Jesus, that is the deep and abiding conviction I have. And I'm sharing that with you. To take a step beyond myself and to invite you to do the same, believing that that's what it looks like to follow Jesus and believing that when we do that, when we follow Jesus, when we take these half steps beyond our norm and beyond our, our comforts, it transforms the world. Maybe I'll just simply close by saying this, since it is epiphany. I'm going to ask you to be prepared to be surprised. <laughs>